live and local across the city and South Cambridgeshire. This is Alex Elbro. Cambridge 105 Radio. It's time to talk to my guest for this hour, and it is author, local author, Suzanne Grossi. And she has just released a whole series of new books, all set in Cambridge, the Hardeman Mysteries, Cambridge Hardeman Mysteries. Good afternoon to you, Sue. Good afternoon. Or Sue. Do you prefer Sue? <laughs> uh, generally, yes. Yeah. Okay. That's, that, I'm guessing that's your author name that goes on the book. That's right, because Sue Grossi looks unbalanced in writing. So, oh, yes. interesting. <laughs> yes. So, um, you came in a, a, several years ago to talk to Lee about uh, one of your earlier books, and uh, you've been taking time since then, I guess, to write this whole series of new books. Well, I was writing a series set in London, so that was the series I talked to Lee about. I can't remember how, how far through it I was when I came to speak to her, but that ended up as a series of seven books. And by the time I got to the end of that, I was addicted to the idea of writing series. And someone suggested to me, a gentleman who used to work at Heifer's, Richard Reynolds, a crime fiction buyer, said, people love Cambridge set things. So I thought, right, well, that's my next thing. And I've written the first one, and I've got the other four plotted out, so I'm going to do them, uh, release them year by year. And does it? Um, do you get a deal to do that, or do you have to sort of self-publish them each time? I publish them each time. Well, all of my books are self-published. Right, when okay. I first came up with the idea of the the first series, because I'm interested in historical crime, particularly with a looking looking at finance, I went to several publishing houses, and they all said, "Oh, they're good stories. They're well written, but no one's interested in financial crime," which I thought was a load of old rubbish because lots of people are fascinated mm. by money. So I thought, well, I'll self-publish them, and that's the route I've gone. And it's good that nowadays you can do that relatively easily can't you I, you can. I believe I oh yes tried it myself. yes i mean it's it's a mental exercise and you have to sort of work your way through the process but certainly uh, people think it costs money it doesn't have to cost money you can spend a bit if you like but no it, it's a wonderful time to be an author yeah oh that's really good to hear and going back to that point you made about financial uh, mysteries i think more and more people are interested in that maybe as the way the world's gone and the banks have gone and there's been lots of tv series about sort of following the money and all these sorts of things certainly so um, i'm surprised by that yeah Yes, yes. Well, um, my whole career, I retired about a year and a half ago. I spent 25 years as an anti-money laundering consultant, so advising institutions on criminal money. And when I first started out, I had to explain to people what money laundering was. And by the end of it, everyone knew. Not not because of me, but just as you say, it's in TV dramas, it's in films. So the phrase is now in common language. And people are interested in money. People realise the power of money and what, what money does to your life, whether you have it or you don't have it. Absolutely. And that's, a, that, that's also a very good point. And I'm guessing uh, some of those stories probably revolve around that you know people wanted to have more because they haven't got what other people have that's right i mean envy uh, envy is there and what's interesting i'm writing books set in the 1820s and although the methods change what people steal and how they steal it has changed the motivations are exactly the same people are the same throughout history you've got the greedy ones you've got the satisfied ones you've got the foolish ones and that just repeats and repeats and repeats. It's, it's human nature. Oh, that's brilliant. Now, that, that, but that was your earlier set of books. The earlier set of books, the set in London, London. ones. These ones set now. in Cambridge still have the financial bent to oh, them. Oh, okay, excellent. Now, as you say, you, they are set in, in Cambridge, but they're set back in 1825. Um, why did you choose that period? Is it something you're interested in? Or? Very much so, yes. The 1820s is a fascinating decade. If you've got interests like mine, basically I'm interested in three things. I'm interested in police, finance, 
violence and justice. And all three of those were altering tremendously in the 1820s, just coincidentally. So we were standardising our policing. We just introduced paper money. So people were very uneasy about paper money. The way we are today uneasy about cryptocurrency, people likewise mistrusted paper money. They couldn't understand why you'd think there was any value in a scrap of paper when you're used to having coin. And then justice was changing. The court system was being revolutionised. We were getting rid of the death penalty, which had been ubiquitous for almost everything, really. And we were introducing the idea of the defence so people could actually defend themselves in court. What a revolutionary concept. <laughs> I mean, you're saying that. I'm not very good at history. I... I I, I'm, I hold my hand up. I've, I either, either wasn't very well taught or I never found these things. But every time I hear these things, absolutely fascinating. And like you say, maybe it's because it's more social history and you didn't always, you know, at school, you just learnt the kind of <laughs> all the Tudor kings or whatever. And you didn't get any kind of context of how that was affecting people. But these must then you can really delve into to life. Oh, absolutely. I'm fascinated by this. As you say, the social history is, is much more interesting to me. Yes, you've got pieces of legislation being passed and it's interesting to know who was on the throne and what have you, but much more interesting is looking at how it affected people's daily lives. So Cambridge was a very different society back in the 1820s. It was a bit behind London. It was a very provincial place and it was very male so the university did not obviously didn't have female students, but also the only people who were permitted to marry in the university were the heads of house, the heads of college. There were very few women in Cambridge. It was a filthy, dirty place. The river, we want to live near the river now and look at the beautiful river. It was an open sewer. It was revolting. So it was a very, very different sort of place, but still... Um, very um, uh, ambitious. It was. It had forward-thinking people, and there it, it was starting to move in a very interesting direction. So yes, the social history, what life was like actually living in some in a place, much more interesting. So you say you've 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 plotted out the other books, and this the first one is called Osler has just come out last week. That's right. Yes, and it's it's called the the Cambridge Hardiman Mysteries, and it's all um, it's it's narrated by Cambridge University Constable uh, Gregory Hardiman. Now, um, how did that come about? Well, I, I've tried writing books sort of, as they call it, in the third person, but I don't like it. I like to have a character leading it. Uh, my last series of books was narrated by a magistrate's constable in London, and I just find these, these, these people fascinating. And in 1825, we talked about legislation not being important, but the date was significant. In 1825, a piece of legislation was passed to allow the universities of England, which at the time was only Oxford and Cambridge, mm -hmm. to appoint constables to police basically they didn't use that word but to police their undergraduates to get everyone back into college of an evening <laughs> and so in 1825 the university of cambridge appointed constables and so i thought that would be the ideal person he gets to move around the city or the town as it was then so he gets to move around he's not linked to a particular college and by making that's only a part-time job you're only a constable in the evenings. so he needed a day job and i thought osler the person who looks after the horses at an inn what a wonderful job that would be. He likes horses anyway. And it means he gets to hear all the gossip coming from all the other towns on the coaches. So it's a perfect job for him. I was going to ask you what Osler meant. Now <laughs> you've answered that brilliantly. And uh, we were just talking that the Cambridge um, constable, university constables in Cambridge still exist, don't they? Yes, they do. They do indeed. And they were extremely helpful when I was doing my research for this. I went to meet them and I went to meet the university marshal, who is their boss, uh, Lucy Lewis. And they were very helpful showing me their archives. And they've still got some of the equipment that was first given to the constables 
constables in 1825. They still exist. They do ceremonial duties. They're opening the Stourbridge Fair this coming Saturday. So it is. The, the continuity is wonderful. So who do you think these would appeal to? Well, people who like Cambridge history, obviously, it's a period that I don't think has been dealt with in many other novels. People are very interested in Victorian and very interested in an early regency, but this sort of late regency isn't dealt with very much. Uh, people who are interested in the history of policing, because the constables were early police, and people who are interested in the history of finance and justice, anything like that. I try not to stuff it with history. I try not to put in details that aren't necessary, but I drip feed information. So hopefully if you like a mystery where you're learning something about the society along the way I think that's who would enjoy it that Sounds wonderful, now where can we find your books? Well they're available on Amazon in paperback and e-format also in lots of other e-format Google Books and Apple Books and the like and um, I've just heard today wonderfully that Waterstones in town are going to stock them and they're on the big book catalogue, whatever that's called <laughs> so you can actually order them through any bookshop in the UK. And you say the first one's out, Osla. Osla is out and yes. um, when do you think you might be writing these other ones how long does it take you oh i'm going to be determined they're going to come out one a year so each summer there will be a new one and there'll be five in total oh that'd be perfect for your for your summer holidays i hope so (laughs) (laughs) well thank you very much oh actually we should just say your surname it's if you yes it's grossy to rhyme with bossy and it's g-r-o double s for sugar E-Y. Brilliant, because uh, so that when people look for that... Yes, they can, it's a they strange name. It. No, but it's, it's uh, very good. Thank you very much for coming Thank you for today. inviting me Absolutely in. Absolutely fascinating, and I, I look forward to reading them. Too. Thank you. Cambridge 105 Radio